Attention entrepreneurs and business owners, are you struggling to get your message out to the world? Looking for a program that is designed to help you create, launch, and scale your digital business with confidence? Whether you're just starting out like me or looking to scale your business, this program has the tools and resources you need to make it happen. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, check out my link today. Bienvenidos to Melo Merezco. I'm your host, Andrea Teeda. In this show, we learn from amazing individuals who are at different stages of their journey. These are individuals with different careers, who took the leap, are breaking generational patterns, and are creating their own reality. Therefore, with any goals we have, these conversations remind us that Melo Merezco, no other explanation needed. Welcome back to another episode of Melo Merezco. We have another amazing guest, Genesis, from Genuinely Genesis, where she is a content creator who shares, who shows us how to heal our financial trauma and how to build wealth by sharing her own experiences and her own story. So Genesis, welcome. I'm so thank you thankful so for being much. here. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. No, no problem. I'm I'm really honored to have you here. So let's start with your story. Like how did you come into like the content creation, the and specifically like in the finance niche and then the other stuff, the other um because they side hustles or businesses that you have as well. Yeah, so I was thinking about this actually yesterday on how I even started content creation and you know, because I, I, I see a lot of people on social media and they're asking questions like, how do I monetize or how do I find my mm. niche and all of this stuff. But yeah. for me early on, I found that I was deeply passionate about helping increase representation in the workplace, in the world, just absolutely everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and I think that early on, I was like, wow, this is a topic that I'm constantly, constantly bringing up to the conversation. And so I found that early on that I was just so passionate about helping increase representation. And I tried blogs, I tried uh, Instagram and posting pictures and quotes or whatever it was. And Mm. I eventually found that through TikTok, through video was Mm. the way that I was going to reach my audience. Mm. And so that's how I, I really started. I I never thought it would become something that, yeah, I actually have monetized and that I have the ability to work with brands and really connect with people. I didn't, I didn't really think of it as a side hustle ever, which is kind of funny because I'm all about side hustle. I I was really just doing it because it was something that I loved and was passionate about. But why not make something that you're also passionate about make it into a side hustle? So uh, it has really worked out in my favor. And I feel like that's how people um, become just like, it, it could be like an exponential growth because you started because you were passionate about this topic, not because you had the idea of like, oh, how am I going to make money? So that's like, that's like, um, something that people, especially now with social media, where everybody wants to get started. It's like, you have, you want to make money because of social media, not because you're want to build a community and share your experiences and your knowledge. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, and I get it. Like, I get why people want to make money with it because there's so many like social media gurus saying, you can make so much money, like it's so easy, blah, blah, blah. But dude, at the end of the day, it's actually very challenging. Social media is is, right. If you think about when you spend hours scrolling on social media, how does it make you feel? 
typically not so good, right? And so imagine being a content creator where you're constantly creating content, posting the content, looking at the comments and likes (laughs) and seeing how people are, how people received the content. And so it's not, you have to really enjoy it and love it in order for you to do it for the long run. Maybe you can do it for like a quick buck, but then you'll burn out. And that's not really, it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah, exactly. For you, so I want to ask, because I know you, with the research that I've done, you've done, you bought some property, like you're, you did house hacking, and then you did, um, you have another one in Kentucky, I believe, for Airbnb. And yeah. then um, you you also mentioned from the research that I did, you mentioned that you do UGC and all that. So did that started, the was that part of your plan, specifically like with like properties and stuff? Was that already part of your plan before you started content creation or because you were like starting to make that money? Because I know you also have a nine to five. So it's like a lot of factors that go into it. Yes. So how did you start it into investing property and then UGC all of that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, um, no. So I started house hacking before content creation. Mm, Um, So the whole real estate, that was my real side hustle. That was where I was Mm. planning to make all of my uh, additional sources of income, right? Um, Through short-term rentals. And um, then I started sharing about my journey and talking about how I grew up low income and now I'm like, what the heck, where's this all all this money come from? Right. And uh, it's, it's funny, even when I say that, because it's like, it's so taboo to talk about money and you never want to make it seem like you have so much money or you have very little money. And so for me, it's like, no, it's, it's about being open and comfortable with the concept of money because it doesn't devalue you or value you, however, how little or how much you have. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was, it worked perfectly with content creation because people were curious about Mm -hmm. how is it that you just build a different source of income through real estate, not Mm -hmm. only building equity, but also earning cash flow. Cash flow, yeah. So it's it's a Uh, (laughs) win-win. Real estate came before. Real estate came before. And were you, how did you, because there's those like with real estate specifically, I know there's could be, there could be that analysis paralysis where, because there's so much information, it could be overwhelming. And there's so many different ways to invest as well. So for you, how did, how was that journey for you? And were there, and then from there, were there like any like limiting beliefs or, or any beliefs that that kind of like hold you back into starting that process? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It first started with my husband wanting to invest in real estate Mm -hmm. and I was all on board, but I was also like, I'm, I'm much more risk averse Mm -hmm. than he is. And mind you, I think that's because I grew up low income. And so I didn't have a lot of money. And so now that I have it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I need to do everything to protect it. And Mm -hmm. so that's my limiting belief, right? Is that, that we're thinking scarcity, that, that resources are limited when instead now I've basically been able to transform that mindset into abundance. And so I really avoid saying things like, like, how much is that? Mm-hmm. Right. Because why? Why does it matter? If I want yeah. it, I can have it and I can <laughs> replenish that money that I just spent on it. Yeah. And so uh, it really all started with us wanting a house. And we're like, well, the first house we buy, we might as well house hack it. And all of this was probably a year's worth of research that we every single night after we would put our son to bed, 
we would listen to the podcast um, Bigger Pockets. We'd watch videos on YouTube about real estate and and side hustles and things like that. So this was this was in the making. It's essentially you're filling your brain with something that you want, and it becomes so normal. This thought of okay, real estate. Okay, house hack. Okay, cash flow. Okay, all of these thoughts that eventually were like itching. We we literally were like, okay, I just want to buy a house. Like I'm so excited about this. Now. So um, we felt that we had the sufficient the minimum information to move forward to buying a property and Mm -hmm. so the the things that we were looking for a house hack were a separate entrance so that we wouldn't have to interact Mm -hmm. um a kitchen or like a bar area at least with with water um and stuff downstairs so that if we wanted to put a kitchen in we could Mm -hmm. and, and a separate bathroom and so that was those were our three requirements and to this day I'm so grateful that we did it. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll buy a house, house hack it, rent it out long-term or whatever. Then they'll buy another one, house hack it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they'll buy another one, um, they, you have to live in it for like a year in order for it to be a a primary residence. And then you get, uh, there's benefits obviously to that with the loan and stuff. So yeah. That is kind of how it all started. And now, like I said, we're, we're addicted. We need to get back into, I've been really focused on social media and uh, it's just something that I'm passionate about, but I, uh, another goal of mine is actually to buy a property uh, this year or put Mm. put a tiny home on our current existing Kentucky Mm. property. So everything's itching. We're, we're itching for, (laughs) for more. It's just, it becomes, it's exponential growth, right? The first one was like, oh dang, like that took a long time, and then now it's like, boop, 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 and yeah, because it's like once once you way. start that like that process, and it's like you got the learning experience, but then that and then you build that foundation and those systems, and then from there it's like, okay, now what's next? Because I know I know what I have to do, and then if I have to figure some things out, I'll figure them out. But it's not gonna be as hard as the first one. So yeah, that's pretty. Exactly. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, let's go with I. I also want to mention like bigger pockets. Is like there's like the there's like two bigger pockets because like podcasts because there's like the ones that they bring with like the success of people and then there's like another one so yeah I've, I've been listening to some of them too because my mom um she wants she's she my my family because it wasn't just my mom but my mom like started it on like where we should invest on a house and the house that we live in right now like we invested but and I think another thing I want to mention was like with the um Hispanic culture or just like any anyone really it's like they really have to go with the mindset when they're buying a house on like it's an investment and it's not going to be like a home home, you know, because that really like um lim- can limit you on creating that that cash flow or whatnot. But yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. But Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I, I think uh, what that reminds me of almost limiting your emotional attachment to a property. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, what do the numbers say? And if mm-hmm. the numbers are in your favor, you keep it or you sell it or you pivot or whatever it is that you mm-hmm. decide to do. Yeah. And it goes back to like doing your research when buying a house. It's not just mm-hmm. like, uh, like an emotional thing. But yeah, um, let's go with the consecration before we move into like the more personal stuff for you. How have you been able to balance that? Because I know you have a nine to five job. You're a mom. And then you have like real estate, Airbnb. Like, like how do you balance all of that to go with like the consecration? 
Oh my goodness. I got to tell you, <laughs> it is it is something else. Any any content creator that has a 9 to 5, it, it will tell you it's challenging. And then put on top of that real estate and being a mom. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so much. But honestly, so I'll give you some insight into my day so far, for example. So mm-hmm. uh, Saturdays and Sundays, I do my best to focus on my family and any other smaller projects that I'm working on um, and not really film or edit. So this morning, I didn't post anything during the weekend. This morning, I woke up at 6 a.m. I asked my husband to call me so that I would uh, really wake up. <laughs> He's already up. He's already working out by then. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> um, 6 a.m., I tried to read my scriptures. I'm pretty religious. And so mm-hmm. that's something that I'm really trying to implement into my life more. I read my scriptures for maybe like 15 minutes, uh, 15 to 30 minutes. And then I spent the rest of my time until about 7 a.m. Uh, p- reposting my TikToks onto Instagram. And so that that involves uh, just copying and pasting the caption that involves uh, creating a cover photo for Instagram, just because it's more curated, you have more Mm. options on there. And um, then from from like seven to eight, I spent time with my son, he wanted to have Mm. breakfast together. So that's what I focused on. And then I got ready. And now I'm talking to you. But after like after this, I'll have meetings and I'll make sure everything's good with my nine to five. Mm-hmm. And whenever I have like downtime, that's what the opportunity that I have to uh, maybe work on content creation, respond to emails with brands, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then finally around like eight o'clock, I'll go swim. And so that's my <laughs> time to like exercise. So uh, my day is very busy. But uh, despite it being busy, I really get to do things that I love. Like, for example, within my work, I I get to look at data and help leadership increase representation within their organizations, Mm -hmm. which is very much aligned with what I'm passionate about. And so although my day is busy, I try to remind myself that I chose this. If I wanted Mm -hmm. to completely cut out uh, uh, the content creation out of my life, I could. And if I wanted to cut out real estate, I could. But I have slowly put more on my plate and Mm -hmm. it has slowly become more digestible. And Mm -hmm. so um, real estate, thankfully, is very much on like it's automated. So uh, my my uh, my guests get an automation that sends them the check in instructions, the checkout instructions. uh, uh, They get a canned response of of, hey, how how was your first stay? Like just to keep an mm-hmm. eye on them and make sure that they don't have any feed, real-time feedback. My husband deals with the cleaner. So really it's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of also multitasking with my husband and making sure that's um, that we're both working together. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of, it's it's it really is a balance, right? When mm-hmm. something needs my attention, I reprioritize and that's the mm-hmm. thing that I'm going to focus on. Yeah, that's, yeah, the reprioritizing and the day to day is like really important because at least for me, when I started, or even like now I'm still like working on like being as productive as I can because I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. So I don't know, it's just really hard for me to like work on things sometimes. So I get it. So um, yeah, I would like do blocks of time where like, okay, I need to do this at this time, but then like something will come up or like I need to go to BJ's because my mom told me to do so. And it's like, okay, now my schedule's fucked up. And then I get like in a 
I call fuck like I can't do this and then I go into a whole spiral like oh my god oh my god oh my god yeah and it's like yeah it's like really hard so from the videos that because I watch like a lot of personal development videos and like productivity and all of that so one of the things was like like make sure you know your priorities on like what you want to do and like sometimes yes. you're gonna have to like re reorganize them but yes that's something I'm working on and like that's really yes. cool that you're able that you're able to do that now mm-hmm. how long did it took you to um because with, like finding what works for you is like a whole process and involves a lot of experimentation I I think I don't know for you like how how is that for you first I think I have a gift that gift is I'm very anti-procrastination like truthfully like (laughs) no but but like sometimes it's bad like I have a huge sense of urgency even Mm. when I have like so even little messages that people will send me on Instagram I feel like I need to respond like that Mm. and so sometimes it can be very overwhelming but other times (laughs) it really allows me to reach my goals Uh, so that's one thing that I think really helps me the second thing is I'm very good at adjusting and like pivoting so Mm -hmm. I used to say okay at 8 p.m that's when I start uh editing my videos 8 p.m because Mm -hmm. that's when my son typically goes down um Mm -hmm. for 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 bedtime yeah and so um but now I'm like okay I can wake up in the morning and then that's when I can I can just kind of start my day by reading the scriptures and then getting that done so that the videos can just do their own thing throughout the day. Yeah. And that happens every single day. So I'm really just pivoting. I haven't figured out the perfect system. <laughs> I have so much that goes on throughout the day. So I have to be very flexible. And I think uh, that flexibility and not being, uh, I want to say like, like stuck into a routine mm. is something that has helped me just to be flexible. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important too because for me like I said I've experimented with a lot of stuff and in probably like last year I was working on creating like the perfect morning routine and you know there's a lot of things that I wanted to do so it was like wake up wake up early which is another struggle that I have like waking up yes. early is like like most I've, people I've been yeah it's been like three years and I still can't but I'm working on it and then I would want to do like journaling and then meditation um exercise and those like took for me it took a a while like journaling I could take like an hour just writing that on like that's not realistic to do every single day so for me I had to learn like okay what do I really want to do so right now my my morning routine is like pretty simple it's like wake up um go to the bathroom come back meditate and do like a 10 to 15 minute stretch and like that's it like keep it simple keep it short because if not, I'm going to go crazy. Like, and then again, I'm going to go into that spiral. Like, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do. And it's, but yeah, so yeah. Well, definitely. yeah. What, well, and what sucks about this, you're talking about a spiral is we feel really bad about ourselves when we want to do something and then we don't. And so yeah. we got to limit it. Like, I like how you mentioned what your goals were in the morning. For me, it's just to read my scriptures and get a workout in. That's it. Mm. That's all I want. Yeah. And everything else is just extra. And so, yeah. right. And mind you, of course, I'm playing with my son throughout the, in the morning. And so there's other things that go into that, but if I could just check, check the box on yeah. those things, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And so really being realistic with your goals. Yeah. In my, I have a, um, a digital journal that I created for myself and on the weekly things, I have like a, a side box where it says like, if I accomplish this today, then today's a victory or something like that. But yeah, so like, it, like, it makes me like, okay, I did this. If I did this, then it's a win today. 
So yeah, that could kind of like helps me um not going into that spiral because I really do tend to go, <laughs> to go there a lot. Um yeah. let's go with the like the personal development section because becoming aware of like the things because you mentioned a lot like low income being low income so i imagine there's like a lot of limiting beliefs that go with that in like personal and then like money wise too so for you how or when did you became aware of those beliefs and how have you been working on it or have you like overcome some of them the first time i realized that i had scarcity mindset was I was in college and I wanted to buy a, con- a rice container <laughs> and right just a little container to hold my yeah. rice and put it on the kitchen counter I went to Target or whatever it was and I was looking at all these containers I was super excited right there's something about containers that make people happy <laughs> that was me and I was super excited I was looking at the price looking at the how, what, like how, how much rice it holds and right. Really analyzing what is, what is, what, yeah. what do I want? Right. Oh, is it aesthetic? Like blah, blah, blah. Okay. If it breaks, can I repurchase it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And so while I was sitting there kind of looking at all these rice containers or these just different types of containers, I started to kind of feel anxious. I was mm-hmm. like, like I was looking at the price tags. I, I, I just progressively as I, my mind kept thinking about, okay, what's going to be the best option? I progressively got more anxious. And I, it got to the point where I almost froze. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't like, I just exactly how I'm talking right now. That's what my brain was like. Yeah. And so I just grabbed one and went to the cash register, checked out and went to my car. And it was very scary to feel these things because it was the first time that I had ever felt them to this degree. I went to the car and I immediately called my husband. I was like, I don't know why I feel this way. I feel like I couldn't make a right decision. No matter what decision I was going to get, I was going to spend my money. It was a waste. I don't actually need this rice container. Like I can live without it. And so throughout this process, I was just thinking, why is it that I just got so anxious buying a $12 container right and so it's funny to even think about but that's because I'm no longer anxious but it's real it's and I still experience it sometimes not to that degree thankfully but I realized oh my gosh like I feel like money is is not mine I feel like money is going to be taken away from me I feel like I just had all these racing thoughts and so that was the first time that I really realized oh my gosh I have a problem and I can't live like this I Mm -hmm. I can't I can't go into the store buying something that's actually a necessity, like maybe not a necessity, but like, it's not something that I'm like wasting my money on. Mm -hmm. And even then we can think as anything as like wasteful, but if it brings you pure like joy or in any other way, like benefits your life, it's never going to be wasteful. Mm -hmm. And so ever since then I have made it a thing where I go to the store and I tell myself, buy whatever you like. Mm-hmm. And you could think, oh, maybe Genesis goes and she just like buys a ton of things. But what really has happened throughout that, the, throughout all of this is that I have become more mindful and intentional with mm-hmm. how I spend my money. That being, I'm, I've gotten really into minimalism, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a big reason why is because sometimes we can't keep up with our house. 
And then we're like, why can't we keep up with our house? Yeah. Right. And you start to feel bad. Like, is it, am I, am I lazy? But no, the truth is, is that you have too much inventory. You have mm -hmm. too much crap that doesn't even benefit <laughs> your life. Right. Yeah. And so now because of that, I look at my house and I'm like, okay, what do I really, what doesn't spark joy truly. Yeah. Right. It's like the Marie and, Kondo. Yes. And so I, I've, as I've been decluttering, I've realized, oh, I, I really don't like that. So now when I go into the store, I think, is this something that I want to take care of? Is this something that I want to find space for in my home? Is this something mm -hmm. that I want to wash on a weekly basis? Is this something I want to fold, right? All yeah. of that. And so because when we purchase things, it's not only money that's being taken away from us. It's also time, effort, energy, all of that. And so now with that thought in mind, I don't even focus on how much money am I spending on it? It's like, how much all of that do I want to spend on it? Mm. And that is my that means that is significantly more powerful to me than money, because money comes and goes. And yeah. that's how I think about it now. So I truly reject when I think my husband, he asked me literally last night, he was budgeting. <laughs> and he's a little bit more mindful, or like, hmm, he doesn't struggle with anxiety with money, right? Uh, to the degree that I did. And so for me, I'm very mindful of how it's talked about in my surroundings. And he said, uh, you spent like $115 on, on at North face and all you bought was a jacket. And I was like, I was like, why are you asking that question? Right? Like, like I, I asked why, because what is it in your mind that triggered you to say, that's it. That's all you got. <laughs> and so I made it into a joke. I was like, no, I got socks. I got a shirt. I got like <laughs> shoes, you know, I bought a house with it. Like I just kind of <laughs> like, but you know, just to make it lighthearted, but he understands that I don't tolerate things like that because there's, there's more words are so powerful and we get to choose what we digest. And I choose not to digest that. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's really powerful because, like you said, like words are powerful, all of that. And then being able to also like create that boundary as well. Like, what conversations do I want to have about money? And because again, like that, you could have taken it the wrong way. It's like, oh, like should should I have actually not bought that that jacket? Or like, like you start like, um, what's that word? You start doubting yourself or feeling guilty yeah. that you bought it. So it's really important to. Yes. No. It, and, and let me tell you something. I still struggle with anxiety because when I saw that jacket in the store, I was like, wow, that's really cute. And then I mm. went to look at the price as we all do. Right. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Right. Like that's because it wasn't even like a really like big, like warm jacket. It was just like, like a, like a Sherpa type jacket, like mm. just like super light. And I went through this process in my mind where I was like, do I really want it? Should I really mm -hmm. spend a hundred dollars? And then I was like, what could, what else could I do with a hundred dollars? Like mm -hmm. you just in your Comparing. head. Right. Yeah. And so I've already gone through that process. I don't need someone else to mm -hmm. remind me of that process. Yeah. And so setting that boundary, even with your spouse, with whoever you interact with is super important. Yeah, that that's so true. For you, when, because you mentioned you had like the scarcity mindset, what are some other things that you did to like go into the abundance mindset? Because that's really important. And like, I feel like there's something that needs to be talked about more because especially as like Hispanic um, culture or any culture, really, um, people really struggle with like having money conversations and those limiting beliefs are like, oh, money is the root of 
of all evil like rich people are evil like if i have money like just like all of that how are you what were some other things that you changed and other techniques as well that you used to help you overcome that so actually talking to my family i noticed that whenever i would talk about money they never wanted to share how mm. they were doing financially i would share openly yeah. but they never really wanted to share mm. and so I would ask questions like, why? Like, what makes you not want to? And sure, these could be like pretty hard, more hard conversations to have, but I'm, I'm not afraid, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I, I really believe that transparency is like the key to almost anything. And uh, I started off by me being transparent with money, right? And the hard thing is too, though, you have to be mindful because, I know of people that will share how much money they, they are making and they they'll share their financial success and what that have, what that like results in people asking you for money. Mm. Right. And so for me, that's not something that I really ever give out to my family members. I don't, mm. I'm like, I, I just think that I can support them in other ways. Yeah. And it's just, it's so hard. It's so hard for me to do that because I've seen it backfire, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I gave someone like $500 to invest in something. They didn't even use it correctly. And I'm like, and they said that they were going to pay me back. I didn't expect them to me knowing, but like, yeah. like, like they're not going to be able to pay me back. Right. And so it's just, it's just kind of a slap in the face. So instead let me help you like in other ways. Right. Yeah. And so the first one is talking about it more trans just in transparency. Um, and that has truly, truly helped me feel more comfortable with my finances. And, and then on top of that for like abundance, right? I think oftentimes when you don't have money, every I'm just kind of thinking like every single day of the week, you don't have money, you don't have money, you don't have money, right? Monday, Saturday, Sunday through Saturday. Well, but what if on Saturday for dinner, you went out and you just bought what you wanted? Let's say you mm -hmm. don't, and this is someone on a lower income, right? And obviously when you have a low income, you can't necessarily go all out and get crazy, right? But at least kind of in your mind being like, okay, I can go to, even if it were like McDonald's or whatever and get like whatever my heart mm -hmm. desires, right? And kind of thinking, practicing that mind of, you know what, today I'm going out and I'm going to enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. And it and goes back to being intentional. Yes. Yes. So I think kind of practicing that I don't have to limit myself because mm -hmm. money flows to me and practicing those things, practice, not saying how much is that or blah, blah, blah. And, and whatever it is, any, anything that makes you sound like you're limiting money. Pretend you're rich, basically. Yeah. In your mind, pretend you're rich. Mm -hmm. And and I think you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. There's two things that I want to mention. The transparency, like being transparent and and like being transparent or just being open to talk, to have those conversations with your family or anyone really like your friends or whatever. Um, it's like you're also breaking a generational uh, belief, you could say, where they used to not want to talk about money because you know like you said um either 
they will think that you want to make um you will want to borrow money and then never pay back or even the um i don't i'm not doing well so i don't really i'm not feeling vulnerable i don't want to be vulnerable enough to like share my, yeah. my stories because i don't want you to see me a certain way so yeah having those conversations like really important because you are able to open have that open space and if they're not feeling comfortable like it's okay like it's okay like i respect that but i'm gonna start those conversations because again it's important to have so that's pretty cool and then the second point was um the like also setting your boundaries because again people um if you if they know you're having you're earning a lot of money it's like okay like okay can i borrow this amount of money or and knowing that you you might not be able to get they might not be able to pay you back so that's really important to have as well um and there was like another one that i had but there was like this this um i believe his name was bob proctor i don't know if you heard of him but i was listening to a podcast of, with him from lewis house i don't know if you know him but he does he has his podcast the school of greatness and he had an interview with um, bob proctor i think that's his name and he's and one of the key things that i said was or a phrase that he said was um the sex the key to success is the repetition of an idea so it's like that's really important because like how you said like you need those affirmations that you tell yourself or like those things like uh, i'm not gonna say those those phrases that's really important because and even you said that in the beginning with the real estate like mm-hmm. you went all mm-hmm. you dive in and it's like okay um give me all this information about real estate and then you started believing and then you start getting excited excited so that's again like really 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 awesome it is iteration. Literally, mm-hmm. I wish that I could just shake every single person on this world and just say <laughs> iteration because we expect the first time that we do something to be monumental, right? Mm-hmm. The first time that we do something, dude, it's going to be crap. Do you like, I, I, it's funny because I look at my content sometimes and I'm like, like, dang, that video really just like was not good. Right. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like it's, it's the sum of it all. Mm-hmm. That is really what, and then you just get, you get progressively better and it's yeah. just iterating, iterating, iterating. I iterate when I, I go work out, right? Every single time I'm going to get better. Right. Yeah. But if I didn't start the first time with the crap workout, then <laughs> I would not be here like feeling more significantly more confident with the knowledge yeah. that I have about working out. Right. Mm-hmm. So iteration, yeah. baby. <laughs> and it goes back to like the compound effect. Cause it's like those taking those little steps at 1% to get better, but then at some point there's like an exponential like growth where like you're like where the fuck did this come from it's like oh mm-hmm. yeah because i've been doing the work and and in the the book because there's a book um called the compound effect and there's another one that i don't remember the name but it's like uh, there's not one point where that there's like that tipping point it's like there's those small steps accumulated and that's why i was able to create that um accelerated growth so yeah just being consistent is like part of that part of all of that and and what you said iteration yeah so that's pretty cool um so we were talking about scarcity going into abundance when you were going through actually how did you were what were some resources that you were using or or where you were finding more information about this because or is it like something that just like oh i'm where you came up by yourself like how what was yeah what were the resources and then were those or did you have those things already yeah i i think that for me what has really helped has actually been my husband because 
during my first year in um, corporate America, I was very focused on my job. I was very focused on preparing for my son because I was pregnant, right? And during that year, I told him, you are to one, you're the one doing the research right now. You go find the research and I'll help you like implement it. And so he was the one really reading all the books. I'm the worst mm-hmm. person to read books. I don't know. I just can't <laughs> sit. I need to read books, but I, it's really hard for me to just sit still podcasts and stuff mm-hmm. are significantly easier, but, um, but he's really good at reading. So I was like, okay, you go read these books. And then he would share his knowledge with me, but mm-hmm. then the podcast we would listen to together. And so resource wise, he's the one that's really read the books, but there are resources that are that everyone praises for example mm-hmm. rich dad poor dad right yeah that i think was the one that was mo- made the most impact on me because it really gives you the comparison about between the two people and how they use their money mm-hmm. and i think that has that was a really good one um bigger pockets really helped those were the two that i would say allowed me to actually make the push You don't Mm. need to listen to every single podcast on the planet about financial literacy. You don't Mm. need to read every single book. I am all about finding the minimum information you need to move forward. Because again, you reach analysis paralysis. You're like, oh wait, I need to know this. I need to know this. Dude, at one point, sometimes it's worth it to lose money to, (laughs) to like make, to learn from it. And so I'm, that's kind of how I operate. And it's worked out well for me so far. <laughs> That's really awesome to have like that mindset because for me it's the opposite. Um, even like with a podcast, um, it's also like putting yourself out there, like out of that comfort zone. Because for me, I, I mentioned this on other episodes where it took me. I had the idea like probably a year and a half ago, and then I actually started imp- wanting to implement or execute on it last year around March, around this time. Um, and I will practice by myself, like doing like solo episodes, but that just wasn't my thing. Cause one thing that I struggle with is, um, like having, like putting my thoughts into a, like a good concrete, like right now, like I struggle, like putting my words together or my thoughts to whether together. And, um, yeah, so I kind of like stopped doing it because like, oh yeah, it's not for me type of thing. And I will also not send any emails. So of course I'm not going to see any progress. And then it wasn't until this, the beginning of this year, where I, cause I was so through that time, I was like working on myself too. Like, what are my limited beliefs? Why do I believe I can't do this? All of that. Um, and then it was until this year in January where I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then the second, the third week of January, I was like, okay, who do I want to interview? Like, what are the type of guys I want? Like having that clarity. And then from there, just sending those emails, like finding their contact info and then sending those emails. And I probably, those two weeks, I sent like 20 emails and I was able to get about eight responses back with a yes. So that was pretty, for me, it was like, fuck, I just had to do this and that's it. Like, that's crazy. But it goes back to like the mindset, like you're, you're the, like, I've heard this all the time. Like you're the one who like puts you, like holds you back. So for me, it was that like, um, I went into that analysis paralysis, but I, at the same time, I was like working on myself because there's a lot, a lot I had to work on. I'm still working on, but then like putting that push of like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then just going for it and making those mistakes. Even now I make those mistakes. Like I, I 
previous episodes, there's like times where I will completely forget my thought and it's like, oh, fuck. And then I would, after the episode, I'm going to be, I was like, I would go, I would go to that down spiral. Like, I don't want to watch the video because I don't want to see me fuck up. And it's like, but making those mistakes is better than not starting out because now I'm able to talk to you. I'm, I've been able yes. to talk to other people and it's like, it's, it's just so cool too. To just well, get and, started and seeing those opportunities come by. <laughs> yes. And you're doing great. You know, like, <laughs> like truly, I, I mean, even for me, I post, I think I post, I just, I just posted a video where I'm like, Frig, I don't like how I started that, you know, like, <laughs> and that's, I, but I posted anyway, because you know what, there are videos that I've posted that I actually don't like, and then mm. people love. love. <laughs> and so that's the thing, right? Like, you don't know, yeah, like how people are going to be receptive to something. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not something that would talk to you, but maybe it would talk to someone else. Someone else. And sometimes that's worth it. Like, <laughs> what's so funny, too, is so I found on social media that there are some uh, platforms that are more ruthless than others. So TikTok mm-hmm. is like, super nice, like, if you get hate comments on there, you might deserve it, actually. <laughs> Not actually, but um, but like people are really nice. And then on Instagram, people are a little more ruthless. Like, okay, mm-hmm. well, they'll tell it to you how it is. YouTube, damn, they will, <laughs> they will, like, it is awful. They are so savage. But when I, but, but quite literally, when I get hate comments on YouTube, I'm like, I'm doing something right. Like legit, mm-hmm. I think I am doing something. I actually, I'm like, nice. Because I know that that video is being circulated at least enough where it's not only showing people that they might like it, it might also show it to people that aren't going to like it. And yeah. we love that. We love that. <laughs> oh, that's an awesome, like my side. I actually never, I don't think I've heard it, how you explain it right now. So that's pretty cool. So like for those who like are trying to figure out how to go, go about like hate comments, that's a, that's a nice tip right there. Yeah. Um, For you going back to like the finance stuff, what would you recommend other people who want to start their financial um, journey and like the step-by-step because there's a lot to do. There's like emergency emergency funds, um, high yield savings account, um, investing, Roth, Roth IRAs, 401k, 401k, is how you say. Um, yeah, all of that. So for you, what would be like that step-by-step process that you think people should take if they want to start, the, want to start um, managing and managing their money better? I would start with whatever scares you less, right? Mm. Uh, it's a scary thing to right now, even when you were saying all of, all of the different tools <laughs> that you need to learn, it's overwhelming even to yeah. me. And sometimes I, I feel also overwhelmed because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just so many things I need to keep tabs on. And so for me, I started on investing in my 401k. Why? Because it was the easiest. I just plug in some numbers in my, in my um, employer, like database or whatever, and then peace out. Right. And so that was something, okay. I didn't even worry about understanding my 401k. I didn't worry about what was in my 401k and how aggressive it was or whatever. Like I did not worry about any of that. And now though, I feel a little bit more comfortable going into logging into Vanguard and taking a peek, how it's doing, how it's performing. Um, And only recently, maybe like a year ago, I started investing in index funds, right? Mm -hmm. Like, but two years before that or three years or whatever, I bought real estate. (laughs) And so you like, you adjust and 
and, and think, okay, what, what, what's less scary for me right now? Mm. And you go for that one. And then don't tell yourself, oh, I, I like, I need to do this. Like, sure. Yeah, you do. But you can also wait a few months or a few weeks or a mm-hmm. year. Right. Um, so I would definitely, my, I, I don't want to give you a step-by-step because it's going <laughs> to, right. It, 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 it's not going to be that way for many people. I could say, mm-hmm. oh, cause my steps were invest in my 401k, no save, invest in my 401k, buy rental property, <laughs> invest in index funds. Right. And so it's just, then find another side hustle, right? It just kind of keeps going. And so um, my step-by-step isn't going to be your step-by-step. So just start with whatever is less scary to you. I actually haven't heard it, like how you, how you word it. Cause yeah, sometimes like we want that step-by-step, but then because sometimes we have that step-by-step, like for some people it's like, okay, but I don't, that's like, if we start with the emergency fund, it's like, okay, but I don't have a, a good job where I have enough money to to start putting that money in there and I have other bills so yeah I think also I think for me like one of the steps that people should take is um like noticing what are what's your your limiting beliefs about money because because of that you realize okay I'm scared to invest or to do research about investing because of this this and that so having those those conversations in the beginning is like really important and if you can't have a by yourself that like you have them with other people or listen to podcasts but like start becoming aware of like the root cause of like why don't you yes. want to do this type of thing completely <laughs> um let's so we talk about money like some money believe um in your posts and social media you talk about a lot about being low income um and like your experiences and how that has influenced you why do you think it's important to, or why for you, why, what's the reason for you to be transparent and be, to be, yeah, to be transparent about that? Like I was low income, but now I was able to like grow um, financially. One word, shame. We feel shame, right? I felt shame when Mm -hmm. I was rolling up into my middle school and high school with like the most beat up car, right? Like I felt shame. What could other people think of me? Blah, blah, blah. I felt shame when I uh, took myself to a mental hospital because I didn't feel like I was functional, right? Mm -hmm. When I had postpartum depression, right? And so um, the, the words attached to those experiences are shame. And maybe like when I was low income, I didn't want to shout it from the rooftops, right? And maybe because now it's kind of like, uh, what is it survival? Like, I can't remember the word, but it's like you've survived it. So now you can talk about it. Um, I mm. wish that I was low income. And I wish I could have been more proud of it. Because the reason mm-hmm. why I was low income was because my mom immigrated to a country that she had absolutely no idea. And she's mm-hmm. over here trying to make it and give us a better life. Right. And so that uh, that is something very much to be proud of and very much to be proud of your parents and very much to be proud of what you're going through. Um, and right. Like you have to grow up stupid fast because this is just, you're the life that you're living. Um, and so 
that is why I talk about it so openly, because even though it's actually very scary for me, even still to this day, to say I had postpartum depression, and I took myself to hospital, like who the frick says that, right. Um, But when I had postpartum depression, and people talked about it openly, that helped me be like, you know what, I can, I can strengthen the courage inside me to say, hey, I need help. And that's okay right? All throughout my life, I can't ever say that I'm self-made or whatever people say, right? No. Throughout my entire life, I have always asked for help. And that is the one thing that I really attribute my success is my ability to ask for help. Whenever I was applying for colleges, I would see my counselor like once a week trying to figure that sucker out, right? I would ask whoever whoever I could find to read my college essays and give me feedback on it. I would ask like anyone that could possibly that like my, my teachers to help me with my math homework because I needed to figure out statistics. Right. So all of that, I was always asking for help. And to this day, I still ask for help. I don't need, I don't believe that I know it all because truthfully I don't. And I, I still to this day have no idea what I'm doing. Right. But because I'm able to ask for help and there's no shame around me asking for help, that is why I am where I am today. Mm, that's awesome. Because for me, I had the opposite experience. And I feel like because, I don't know, that's like one of the, like, the experiences that come to mind for me was um, college and applying to college and all of that. I'm undocumented. So I have DACA. So because sometimes I like, try to go back to like, what were my, my money experiences? Mm-hmm. And it's like um my, my my in my family we never really talk about money and but I will always oh well, my mom like try to hide it like the financial problems that we had but then I will also hear like financial like they will have my mom and dad will like fights who have fights about money but then um so I kind of like internalized that and then applying to college I did not want to apply to college I I knew I wasn't gonna get any scholarships mm-hmm. or it was it was gonna be very competitive. I never asked for help. I was always a shy one, but like, like, just don't bother me. I'm just like pretty much like just doing what I have to do. And like, that's it. Um, and the only reason I went to college was because my counselor, um, she told me like, there's a scholarship for undocumented people. So for people who have DACA and you, you could get a full scholarship if you go and it's for a CUNY, which is like mm-hmm. a city university of New York, something like that. And I ended up getting it. And that's the only reason I went to college. If it wasn't because of that, I don't know what would happen. <laughs> what would happen afterwards. But yeah, it's like having that. It's like what you said is like really important, like asking for help because if and or even asking for help and taking those opportunities that come to me, because if I wouldn't have taken that yes. opportunity, then I don't know. I don't know what I would what I would have been doing right now, even though I have yes. so much. But yeah, like asking for help is like really, really important. Um, and something that I see now, like, um, that I try to do more often now. Um, but yeah, that's something that's really hard for many people to, to ask for help because there's like that, that shame or that, like, um, that shame. And then like, what are people going to say about me? So that's really important. How you said that you, were you always, um, cause I know in another video, you mentioned how you used to like put your, not put yourself down, but like become quiet. So, but then like you noticed that you were more like, like you started using your voice more. When was that? Like, why was that? Why did that happen for you? Like, how were you able to overcome that? Because 
And was that when you started asking for help or like, how was that process for you? I know the video that you're referring to. And that's, that's um, basically like throughout middle school and high school, I was more quiet and kind of a little bit more shy because I wasn't part of like the popular group or I wasn't part, I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I, I fit in. But when I look back, I'm like, you know what? The reason why I didn't fit in is because I was so different. Like my mindset was like five years older than who I really was. Mm -hmm. Right. And these people were over here caring about whatever someone said in the math class or the first, (laughs) I was over here thinking about how is it, how can I get such good grades that I'm going to be guaranteed for scholarships? Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm like 12 years old, you know? And so, um, it's like, I was over here thinking about how could I be the first female president? I was over here, right? I I was literally having these like super uh, almost delusional um, goals, right? And so I was also confused with my identity as like a Latina, but then I was surrounded by a bunch of white people. So I wasn't sure, mm-hmm. okay, do I, how, what, what do I need to do to kind of fit in and blah, blah, blah. But then I realized, bro, you still don't have friends. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so <laughs> savage to myself. I'm like, dude, you still don't have friends. You might as well like be yourself so. and not have friends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but now it's funny. My husband and I talk about this all the time. Um, and we're like, man, like, I don't know, like, cause the world tells us we need to have a bunch of friends and like, like a bunch of friends is at least like 25 plus people, right. That are in your life. Right. Like that's in my head, what, what a lot of friends means, but really a lot of friends to me is I want to have a solid, like three people that I love and adore and Mm -hmm. that's it. Right. My energy is sacred to me and I don't want to just give that out to whoever. And so I've just realized that I have opinions. Like I love to be passionate about topics. I love to show up to a room and have conversations with people that actually matter. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but some people, I just feel like, are there brain cells <laughs> in there? You know, <laughs> so, so, but literally I'm just like, damn, like how is it that you don't have opinions? And so I want to be surrounded by people that are opinionated, that are driven. And so now I'm like, okay, in order for for me to weed out the people that I don't want in my life, I have to be myself. Mm. And if my energy scares you, then thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And it goes back to, because that's like one one thing that many of us struggle is like being ourselves and then also being, and it goes, it goes like everything I think goes back to intentionality, like what, and being clear of what you want. Because if you don't have, like you said, like, I know what I want. I want like these two friends that where we have like these deep conversations and talk about yes. where we have opinions Like you already have it clear. So if someone comes by and it's like, um, wants to talk about the weather, then it's like, okay, this is not, you're not going to be it for me. Um, there's this book I'm reading. The, uh, it's called, I have it right. It's like quiet, the power of introverts in a world that can't stop talking, something like that. And that book, I'm just in the second to third chapter and that, book is like super super eye-opening because in the first chapter she talks about how we before the 19th century the world was about um character like how we are as a person but after the 19th century so like no um after the 1900s it became a culture of personality 
So that culture of personality became a, a focus of how are people looking at me? How are people perceiving me? Uh-huh. So it became a pretty much like that fake it till you make it type of thing, but not being authentic, not being just, again, trying to make others like you. Well, yeah. well, before it wasn't like that. It was like, okay, am I a hard worker? Like having, um, there were characteristics where you could work on and improve on yourself. But with this culture of personality, like the descriptions that they give, it's like being charismatic or being, I, what was it, like attraction or something that it's like or being attractive or being beautiful. Like those are things that you already have. Like those are like, that's a you thing. Well, where some of us like, may not be charismatic at all and maybe you could work on it but it's gonna take time so like that book is like super super eye-opening and it goes back to like we have to be intentional with ourselves there's like another um I don't know there's like so much so much in that book that I can't I probably like do some TikToks on that because the much that like just those first those two chapters is like like holy crap like I really need to work on myself and be authentic and and know who I am so that when I go and like be my go out like I could be myself and I shouldn't give a crap of what other people say about me or how they look at me so I don't know I'll, I'll share the book on, on the links below so you so you guys could read it but yeah I love I love what you're saying and let me tell you something you have to also be receptive to feedback and someone at least in your life needs to know you and see how you interact with other people for example my husband and I we made some new friends and I was talking to him and talking to her and, and we were just all having a good time. And then once my husband was like, you act different with her. Mm-hmm. And it was like a knife. I just was <laughs> like, Oh, that is, that's actually one of the, that I take to heart. Like I don't mm-hmm. take a lot of things to heart, but if someone yeah. tells me that I'm not being genuine and authentic to myself, then I'm like, that that hurts. I'll I'll be in bed for a few days. <laughs> but no, he said that, and I was like, I immediately, as we all do, I got defensive. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm mm. being myself. Like blah blah blah. He was like, No, I don't know what it is, but I just feel you feel. I feel like you're different. I feel like you're almost trying to mimic her. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. And why is it that I feel? Because I didn't do this to a lot with a lot. Like this, like this is the one time he's ever told me in our seven years mm-hmm. of marriage that I've, that I've done that with someone else. Why is it that with this one person, I feel the need to mimic her behavior and not mimic, not do what is authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's a wrap. That's, that's a friendship that, that is non-existent, right? Because mm-hmm. why is it that I felt that way? And so, so I, that was obviously something that I need to strengthen in my heart and figure out no like I need to be who really I am and and so I was receptive to his feedback is what I'm saying Mm -hmm. right like like finding people in your life that could actually be straight with you and tell you hey you're not being who you really are and taking that feedback and be like you know what you're right and that's not a friendship I'm willing to pursue because I felt that that way and and I didn't really feel like their positive energy toward me um and so that's that's when you just gotta you just gotta cut people off and be like Mm. I'm done with it and learn from it but were you able to decipher like what was Mm. the root cause of it I think that I felt Uh, even right now I'm like thinking like I don't know 
I felt that I almost needed to prove my value, Mm. prove that I was fun, prove all these things. Mm -hmm. But when you have to prove anything to, okay, cool. But yeah, I, I, I think I was just trying to prove myself to someone. And whenever I, I, if I, if, think if anyone feels like they need to prove themselves to someone Mm -hmm. then that's not either oh you're cutting off again just your mindset around that person or you uh move on oh dang it yeah but long story short I just really didn't I didn't really know why I was I was trying to prove my worth and Mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely a relationship I'm grateful that I ended because we just didn't jive and that's okay, right? And- hey everybody, this is Editing Andrea and I want to apologize because we had to end this awesome conversation early due to some technical difficulties. But I hope you enjoyed the episode so far and I want to thank Genesis for being here, for having such an awesome conversation. A conversation about money um, where we're able to be transparent and, and vulnerable with the experiences that we had around money. So I want to thank Genesis for that. Thank you for being here. Always welcome back. And for those who are listening on any podcast platform, don't forget to give us a review or rate us. And um, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, comment, all of that, because that really supports us, supports this podcast. And with that being said, thank you so much for understanding. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll see you. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Are you tired of generic mass-produced furniture that falls apart after a few months? It's time to invest in high-quality, custom-made furniture from a skilled carpenter. At Esquivel Carpentry, they specialize in creating unique, one-of-a-kind pieces that will last a lifetime, from sturdy tables and chairs to elegant bed frames and bookcases. They have the skills and experience to create any type of furniture you can imagine. So why settle for generic furniture when you can have something truly special? They are a small local business, so go check out their website today at esquivalcarpentry.com to learn more about their custom carpentry services and if they are located near you. On Melo Marosco Podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liabilities with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes and explicits an understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.